birds and folks of good cheer. It's gingerbread men and flying reindeer. It's wreaths with red bows, colorful lights. It's that tree at Rockefeller lit up in the nights. It's Christmas. Give it meaning or not. It's still Christmas, and it still means a lot. It's still Christmas. Why are we talking? It is the day when Jesus This, of course, is the Christmas classic, It's Still Christmas, by John Gambling and J.J. Kennedy. For those of you listening around the country, you are in for a treat. Because for those of us that grew up with New York radio, especially around the holidays, the voice of Christmas, at least on the spoken word format, was John Gambling. However, not content to merely be limited to the spoken word before he decided to retire from radio. He recorded this terrific classic with J.J. Kennedy, and it has gone up there with any Irving Berlin song, any Bing Crosby song, all of your favorite Christmas hits, and it is available on YouTube. Uh, And we are very, very pleased to be joined once again, as we have just about every Christmas since John retired from radio, by the one and only legendary New York radio personality, John Gambling. John, Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Frank. Uh, you know, who gets an introduction like that from Frank Morano? It's unbelievable. You, you, you've boosted me to levels that are uh, not, not deserved. Uh, one of the reasons I retired was that song. It's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could finally afford to retire with the royalties from that song, I guess. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it was just massive. I, I, I actually seeded. Uh, my royalties uh, to J.J. Kennedy. Uh, last I heard, she was, uh, you know, somewhere in, in the Caribbean. So. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, we hear of a lot of radio duos or music duos that uh, split up because of how to handle the uh, their catalog of uh, of hits. Um, yeah, and Hall and Oates. Hall and Oates. You, you, know, you, you and J.J. Right? better be careful. Exactly. Hey, um, <laughs> real quick, though. Tell folks the story of that song. Obviously, you're not a musician. Why record a Christmas song? Well, I'll be honest with you. J.J. came to me with the idea. Uh, she and a musical friend of hers had come up with this idea, and, and J.J. and I had for years uh, discussed the, uh, the secular nature of uh, our Christmas holidays and others, and, uh, you know, we kind of bemoaned it. And J.J. on her own came to me one day with this uh, script, these words, and a piece of music, and she said, would you voice this? And I said, you know what? Sure, I'd love to. I've never done anything like that. It was just sort of a goof. Um, and it, it, it turned, as you say, turned into something uh, close to Bing Crosby's White Christmas. <laughs> it, it does sound terrific. By the way, a shout out to J.J. Uh, Kennedy's husband, who calls into this program from time to time, especially whenever he plays that song. Uh, it seems like a great guy and a, a great listener. John, uh, before we uh, discuss... Twas the night before Christmas and your tradition of reading this on the radio. Let me ask you for a little bit of selfish advice. As you can hear, I've got this frog in my throat. Uh, maybe it's due to overuse. Maybe it's due to trying to shout over music at Christmas parties. Maybe it's being on the air 20, 20 hours a week. I'm sure over the course of a few decades in radio, you've had your fair share of sore throats or laryngitis. Any quick fixes for this, John? You know, Frank, I, I don't I don't really think so. I, I always, uh, you know, uh, tea with a lot of lemon and honey uh, 
uh, worked worked for me occasionally, but it's it's one of those things you just kind of have to wait it wait it out, right. and uh, it, it will ultimately disappear. You know, I always wondered whether or not. I mean, that, now we're now we're off into written you know Neverland Radio Neverland. Uh, I always wondered when I got a cold. You know, you're all you're all stuffed up and it's, you sound terrible. Whether that was a good thing to come to work or or should I have stayed home uh, to get rid of it faster rather than torture the listener? Yeah. Uh, I never came up with it. I never came up with an answer. Uh, you and me both. So, John, obviously you're a grandparent now. The gambling brood keeps growing. How many grandchildren are you up, now, up to now? Uh, we have five grandchildren and we're very proud of and very happy about. Um, we The uh, group in Boston... Uh, that's Bradley, uh, Bradley and Nina, Bradley and Nina have two little girls, Jane and Grace, uh, Andrew in Atlanta has two little boys, Jack and uh, Luke and uh, William who lives in New York city. Uh, he and Whitney have a, a relatively new little girl, Georgia. Uh, she's 18 months old. Wow. And we're, we're, we're going to see, we're going to see them, uh, coming up for Christmas. Here. Well, that's terrific. That's what I was just going to ask is what are the gamblings doing for Christmas this year? Well, uh, Wendy has uh, decorated our home. She outdid herself this year. She was always good at it. Uh, but this year I don't, I'm for whatever reason, and it's a positive one. The place looks fantastic. So uh, the, the, we have the, the two families coming, uh, the Boston group, Bradley and his family are not coming. They were here at Thanksgiving. And I imagine if Wendy's decorating, there must have been plenty of blue Christmas lights around, right? Absolutely. Blue Christmas lights everywhere throughout the house. <laughs> it, looks, it, it looks like a runcomable. <laughs> yeah. If people don't know, John Gambling has a strong aversion to blue Christmas lights. Uh, why is that again, John? Um, I don't know. They just uh, they they don't seem very Christmassy. But you know, um, a, a fair number of people put them up, and hey, everybody makes choices. Uh, John, obviously, you're in Florida these days. You spent most of your life as a New Yorker and entertaining scores of New Yorkers. What's the biggest difference between winter time in Florida and Christmas time in Florida versus winter time and Christmas time in New York? Well, I'll I'll tell you. It doesn't quite feel the same Christmas time down here. Um, you know, we have all of the, all of the trappings and uh, the music and all, all of this and the parties that go along with it. Uh, but there's just the fact that it's, it's not cold, one thing. And I don't know. New York seems so Christmas-centric, you know, with the tree and all, all, all the rest of it. And uh, we seem a little bit distanced from that. Uh, having said that, I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade Florida for anything. Yeah. It's, fan- it's fantastic. Any season of the year, uh, it gets super hot in the summertime, and it's a little cold right at the moment. I mean, when I say cold, you know, we're talking about high sixties during the day, and uh, that, I know that sounds that sounds pretty warm <laughs> to you folks up there, but uh, for up for us uh, Floridians. Uh, that gets our attention. Well, uh, so something tells me that you get in a great deal more golf in the winter in Florida versus New York. Oh, of course, of course we do. I mean, the the, the thing is that the the seasons sort of blend together. There mm. definitely are seasons. I mean, I live in Southwest Florida, uh, and um, it's it's pretty warm and and cozy. But it it we do have seasons. There are definite weather patterns. And- Seasonal temperatures, and you you know that the the rainy season comes in uh, you know August, 
uh, September, October, and then it switches into into fall and winter. And in the springtime, it'll come back. The springtime is really the best, I think. You know, that's the time of year where it really gets delightful. When we spoke three years ago, you were very, very high on Ron DeSantis. Not only were you singing his praises as a governor, but you said you were really the first person I heard say it, that this is a future presidential candidate. He's still running for president. He's had some stumbles. Obviously, he's hoping to rebound, but uh, it looks like uh, he's not the challenger to Trump that a lot of the stop Trump Republicans had hoped he would be. Give me your view of Ron DeSantis. His presidential campaign. Well, he really has run out of gas, um, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure why, because he really hasn't changed his tune very much. But when he doesn't present himself particularly well on television, he always seems to have a, a scowl on his face. Uh, he never he, he never seems to be uh, kind of light and airy and, and breezy as as I think candidates need to be in presenting themselves. So. You know, we're going to have to wait and see, but I don't think uh, I don't think the governor down here is uh, going to going to make it on the, on the national scene. And personally, selfishly, uh, I think that's good because he, he's a he's a good governor. I, I like the, what, the way he runs the state of Florida. Are we going to see a second Trump administration, John? What do you think? Oh my goodness, Frank! I, I you know that's it's so tough. I mean, I I watch him and his policies and his ideas strike me uh, in the right place. But then I kind of have a stomach ache after watching it. I mean, it, it, it's like eating, eating too much or having a bad meal or that tasted good but turns into a bad meal and your stomach hurts afterwards. Um, he, he, he just he's hard to take. All right. Uh, for the last nine years, we have played your reading of Twas the Night Before Christmas, not only since we've been syndicated, but since I was on WABC in New York, even before that, when I was on AM 970 in New York. Give folks a little bit of the history of the gambling family and John B, A, and R, and their reading of Twas the Night Before Christmas. Frank, when did you go syndicated? When did you go coast to coast? Uh, about a, about a year ago. We're it's it's uh, we're we're growing slowly but surely. A uh, big shout out to we uh, our listeners KMOX in St. Louis, WCBM in Baltimore, uh, and uh, a lot of our uh, stations around the country. All great folks. WFDF in Detroit. We're, we're slowly but surely we're we're growing. Congratulations! Thank to you. you on Thanks that. very that, much. That's that's fantastic. Now for for those in those far off uh, counties. Um, the gamblings have were on the radio in New York City for a cumulative number of years, 90 to be specific, before I retired. Uh, it started with my grandfather, John B. Gambling, in 1925, um, and uh, he, he continued uh, through 1959 uh, when my father took over the, the program, which was called Rambling with Gambling, and... Um, he went to 95 uh, when I stepped in, and uh, we've uh, continued to – I can't even remember when I retired, but it must be about seven or eight years ago now. And um, it, it was really a, a wonderful uh, run, a great legacy, and um, something that uh, I know I'm proud of, and I know they were too. So w- what is the deal with Twas the Night Before Christmas? When did you start reading it, and, and how did that tradition get started? Well, actually, my grandfather, when my father was a child, my grandfather would have a Christmas show. Uh, Sometimes it was actually on Christmas Day, but it was usually the day before. 
uh, Christmas Eve, something like that. And he would invite, uh, obviously, my, my father and my grandmother. Um, he would always have the Salvation Army uh, choir there. Uh, it was rather a, a, a big deal. And he had to get my father sort of involved, had him read the night before Christmas, which he did every year. And uh, even after my father took over the hosting job, she continued to read it as well. And, of course, you know, the tradition, you know, we, we're not very creative. The gamblings aren't very creative. <laughs> we just kept repeating things over and over it, and couldn't over Couldn't even again. think of new names. Took you 90 years yeah. to come up with some new names. Absolutely so. We're, we're just not very creative. Anyway, uh, my father, I can, rem- I can remember to this day um, – we lived out. We we lived on Long Island forever. Uh, we lived in uh, Plandome, Long Island. <clears throat> I can remember the house. I can remember the time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, my father said, "You know, Johnny, you want to come on the radio and read the night before Christmas?" And I looked at him, you know, uh, kind of starry-eyed. What? What do you want me to do? And so uh, I was probably ten years old, I would think maybe. And he had this typed typed page with the night before Christmas. Clement Clark Morris, and he took a pencil and he underscored the places he thought I should emphasize. Well, at 10 years old, you don't even know what that means. <laughs> so, uh, um, but, you know, we practiced, uh, I practiced, and then uh, that come the day of the broadcast, uh, I read it and I, I read it every year since then. Well, here we are. Here is the John R. Gambling interpretation of Twas the Night Before Christmas. "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children, they're nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When... Out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to that window I flew like a flash, I tore open the shutters, I threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below, and when what to my wondering eyes did appear? But a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer, with a little old driver so lively and quick I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled, and he shouted, and he called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donder and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle mount to the sky, so... Up to the housetop, the coursers they flew with the sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas, too. And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and the pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled. His dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin, as white as the snow. 
the stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face, little round belly, that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby, plump, right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye, a twist of his head, soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but he went straight to his work, and he filled all the stockings. Then he turned with a jerk, and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, "Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night." The other side of midnight.